0: listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at BethanyNaz.org.
1: We have talked through the month of July about the fact that God calls us to give our lives to two things, to become more like Jesus and to help people come to know Jesus. And so what we're going to do through this fall is focus on becoming more like Christ. And I believe as we become more like Christ and God does His work in us, there will automatically develop within us a passion for helping people come to know Jesus. Because if we're going to be like Jesus, that's what Jesus was like. If we're going to be about what Jesus is about, that's what Jesus was about. And so that's our focus. So there's two dates that are really important that I want you to make sure that you have down as we move in this direction. One is September the 4th. And on September the 4th, Scott Stearman will be here. Now, he's this kind of rugged-looking mountain man kind of guy, and he's an artist. And he will be doing a sculpture for us. And on that day, he will challenge you about what it means to become like Jesus. This is one of those events that you can invite friends to, especially friends that don't usually go to church or are not interested in going to church. Um, This is an artist. He's doing a sculpture. um, Very inviting Very real, very raw, very intriguing. So you'll want to bring somebody with you that day. And then on the next Sunday, September the 11th, how many of you are already saying, Pastor Rick, I have every intention of being here September the 11th. Just hands really high in the air. I've said to you, you cannot miss that Sunday. And on that Sunday, not only is it important that you are here. I mean, you've got to rearrange your schedule. I'm telling you, you can't miss You've got to be here but also to bring somebody with you, maybe somebody who needs to return to church. Brett Bradley, did you just yawn right in the middle of my introduction? My goodness. That hurt so bad. Somebody returned to the church or somebody who is seeking God or maybe somebody who is not a follower of Jesus, but have somebody with you that day. It's going to be a fantastic morning together, but I'm going to invite all of you to join me on a 40-day journey together allowing God to change us I believe this with everything in me that there are people in this room and people who are not in this room that you're going to bring with you who are going to one day years from now look back and say it was the fall of 2016 God changed my heart the fall of 2016 I have never been the same so that's what I'm believing God's going to do In us in those 40 days together. But today, we're going to continue to talk about becoming like Christ in the idea of service. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve you. And one day, he takes a basin of water and a towel and he gets on his knees in front of his disciples. And he washes their feet. He does the job of a common servant. And he says, now that I've washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. You should serve one another as I have served you. Now, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to talk to you for the next 20 minutes or so about a struggle that you and I often encounter in life. And here's what happens. We're going through life, and we see a need, all right? And it's a need that concerns us. We're just kind of going through life, and all of a sudden, we're like, boy, that is a big need. So an example would be that there was a guy recently who just returned from a missions trip, and he said to me, Pastor Rick, in the country that I was in, I saw the effects, the hard, cold results of human trafficking. And he came home saying, I'm messed up and I've got to do something. So maybe you have had experiences like that. We had a family not long ago who went to Two Lakes on Sunday morning to be with Pastor Thaddeus and Maureen. And they came back and they said, I didn't get it, but now I get it. I was in that community and I see the need. And Pastor Rick, I'm begging you as the leader of our church, do not let off what you're doing at Two Lakes. We've got to turn it up. I was sitting in Midtown not long ago on a Sunday night and I sat there and I looked around at the people that are coming to those services and I thought to myself, what an opportunity and what a need to have a church in this part of our city. Sometimes I just come in church on Sunday morning and I see all of the young people sitting over here and children throughout the building. And, and it takes a couple of hundred people every Sunday morning just to teach our children and youth and university students. And man, if you're like me, I'm thinking the world that I live in, I want our kids to have a great foundation. We have to train them in the way of Jesus. I mean, this is a need. Now here's where the tension comes. When you're walking through life, and you identify a need, all right? And it happens to you like it happens to me. And all of a sudden, you begin to feel God nudging you. Why don't you meet that need? What we do is we start making excuses, right? But God, I don't have, you know, the resources. I don't have the ability. I don't have the talent. I don't have the money. I, don't have I just don't have it, God. You know? We just kind of make all kinds of excuses. And when we make those excuses, we begin to live in the struggle. Seeing a need, feeling that God is nudging us, and just walking backwards as fast as we can. I, I cannot do this. Let me, let me give you an example, okay? Matthew chapter 14 is a great example of this. Matthew chapter 14. So what happens is that Jesus is in the very height of his ministry. And while he's in the height of his ministry, something awful happens. There is a governor in Judea whose name is Herod. And Herod is offended because a guy named John the Baptist calls him out for his sinful lifestyle. And so what he does is he has John the Baptist beheaded. Now, John the Baptist is not only a first cousin of Jesus, but he is also the one who came ahead of Jesus saying, Jesus is coming. And so Jesus is devastated. And here's what happens in verse 13 of chapter 14. When Jesus heard what had happened, meaning to John the Baptist, he withdrew by a boat privately to a solitary place. Now, he's in the region of Galilee. Do you, do you know, does anybody in the room, would you have this trivia, do you know how like big the region of Galilee is like, How many miles from north to south and east to west? Anybody? Just raise your hand if you know. Anybody know that information? Galilee is a region that is only 50 miles north to south, 25 miles east to west. Now here's the catch. You ready? In that little region, there are 204 towns or villages. So it is just as densely populated as you can dream. And so if Jesus wants to get away, he gets in a boat and he crosses to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Lake of Gennesaret. But what happens? Next verse. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And so when Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. So if I was with Jesus, I would say, Hey, hey, listen, man, you, you gotta hear me, okay? Don't get off the boat, all right? There are thousands of people out there. They followed you because they got sick people and they want you to heal them and you are hurting and you need some downtime. I mean, think about you and me. When somebody that we love dies, I mean, we take three days off work. We gotta get alone. We gotta get out of the deal. We, we gotta, you know, grieve, right? Jesus, don't get off the boat, whatever you do. But in the heart of Jesus, he is thinking if they are hurting half as bad as I'm hurting, they need a healer. And so he gets off the boat and he heals people all day long. So as evening approached, verse 15, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. Remember, he tried to go to a remote place. And it's already getting late. Jesus, send the crowds away so they may go to the villages and buy themselves some food. So what has happened? The disciples say, we have a need. We've got a bunch of hungry people, all right? There's a need here, Jesus. There's a bunch of hungry people. So why don't we do this? Why don't we send them away? to the nearby villages let them go buy some food there's a need we think maybe this is what should happen verse 16 jesus replied everybody read these next two phrase, next two lines with me will you let's read in unison jesus said they do not need to go away you give them something to eat and all of a sudden you're living in this tension of where i see there's a need and now god is nudging me to meet the need And so what do they do? They make excuses. Look at the next verse. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered, we don't have the resources, Jesus. I mean, we don't, this is all we have. We, We can't meet the need. You understand, you're asking us to do something we cannot do. The disciples see there's a problem. God nudges them to do something about it. And immediately they make excuses and backtrack and say, we can't fix this. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. And he broke the loaves and then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples packed up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. Now listen to this. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So what, 10,000 people were fed from a basket of five loaves and two fish? The disciples see a need. Jesus says, you should meet the need. And they say, we can't, we don't have the resources. And he says, well, give them to me. And they gave them to Jesus and he took them and he blessed them and he broke them. And he gave them back to the disciples and he said, you give this to the people. And God did something that was powerful and mysterious and difficult to comprehend or even explain. With what little they gave him. So this is God's word for us today. Amen? Amen. Hey, I want you to meet Eric Smith. Okay, so come up, Eric, and spend a few minutes here with me. Eric is a young man who was born and raised until he was 12 years old in Germany. And then after his 12th birthday, Eric's family moved him to the United States. He, uh, he's one of those guys that I think is going to be judged more harshly than me because he has a lot of talents and abilities. He's like a great gymnast and golfer, and he can sing, and I can't do any of that stuff very well. And so I think you know when you get to judgment, God's going to ask more of you than me. I think that's the way it's going to be. But, but Eric is a talented guy, and he ended up here at Southern Nazarene University, okay, as a student. And then when he graduated from Southern Nazarene University, can you tell us a little bit about what life looked like to you when you were leaving school and what you did after that?
0: Yeah, well, thank you, first the privilege of being home. Uh, this is home still. Um, I was here for five years. I loved SNU so much, I stayed an extra year. Mm-hmm. And... Um, during that time, I really wrestled um, with, with a few things. One of them was um, I, I had such a, a passion and also desire to um, do great things in the business world, to be successful. Um, I came from a family that never really had much, so that was kind of in me. I, want, I wanted to prove things to my family. Um, at the same time, I had, a, I had a really special group of friends um, with whom I just struggled Uh, to discover or try to find out what does it really mean to follow jesus and um, i served in different roles at snu and so i got to talk to students about you know uh, jesus and and what does it mean to follow him what does it mean to live a life to serve him and so i was really good at at saying these things and telling people about these things uh, but i never really knew if i was ready to live it and to really give it up so after college, um, through a mentor of mine, Doug Eaton, uh, opened a, a door for me at Kimray in a job position to potentially in a couple years start a branch in Germany. And so all that sounded great. I went straight into that uh, job position. I, I made good money. I bought a brand new car right off the bat. And I was really comfortable here. Uh, I was doing great. And, um, but in, in deep in my heart, um, I, I just still was wrestling with Things that I felt like God was calling me to do.
1: Early early on, as you began to go back to Germany to visit family, your grandparents and so forth, um, you became very aware of a need there. And over the years, that need became more apparent to you, right?
0: That's more than I would admit um, that I noticed that over the years. Um, and it was so evident. Over the years I would go back to visit my grandparents and uh, in looking for a church or, or a, a youth group um, I just continually realized how spiritually dead Germany was as a, as a whole. And uh, three years ago I met a young pastor Chris Zimmerman, um, one of our Nazarene pastors in Frankfurt um, at uh, General Assembly and he told me about a, a new ministry, and ministry that they're trying to build to really reach out to people in Frankfurt and um, I, I went to Germany three times. I got to take the SNU, uh, some students over there, and every time I went, it felt like God was more and more making evident how great the need was. Um, and I remember Chris and his brother Philip trying to keep me there, trying to convince me to stay. And I told them the first time I saw him, I said, "I'm never coming back to Germany." <laughs> so, uh, but
1: so as as you became aware of the need, like the disciples. The Lord began to nudge you and say, Eric, maybe you should meet this need. Um, and and you were resistant to that. Um, and, and I'm sure there were excuses. You got the wrong guy, God. I'm not the guy to do it and so forth. But but eventually um, a door opened and, and you did go back. And that's where you're living in ministry now, right? Right. I, for a long time
0: I've, I fought it. Um, because, you know, when I came over here at the age of 12, we gave up everything in Germany and I had to learn a new culture. At that time, I didn't speak any English. I had to learn a new language. And I just knew that there were going to be certain challenges that I didn't want to deal with again. And um, I was just fighting God, even though he, he just made so evident the need. And I said, God, I'm sure there's a lot of people that can do it. Um, and I did make excuses. Uh, but he just told me, you know, I, one of my favorite authors, Bob Goffey, once said, I always thought you had to be special for God to use you. But then I realized, all you have to do is say yes. Mm-hmm. And so a, a door opened. Uh, Chris and Philip just asked me to come. They just said, just come, and God will use you. And so it just took me to, to take that step, to jump. And so last summer, I, I quit my job. I, I sold everything here, and I booked a one-way flight to Germany. And I've been there for almost a year now. Um, and it's just been incredible.
1: So Eric serves as a, as a, as a pastor Uh, now and the kind of churches that he serves in are unique to you and me it would be like maybe a bar or a restaurant that at certain hours they go and they have church services actually in those in those venues and uh, they're reaching people for the gospel Um, not many people in germany really practice christianity maybe two to three percent and so the need is so great there but uh, I know some of you are supporting Eric, and I'm glad that you are. And I thought it would be great if you could kind of catch up with where he is today. Thank you so much, Eric, for sharing with us this, this morning. Okay. So could everybody in the room look at me? Got all the, all the teens over here, college students over here, children, everybody. Everybody just look at me. Sometimes I'm not as good of a communicator as I should be. But if you will give me a few more minutes here, I'm gonna do my very best to say something really important to you, okay? I was in Cincinnati the other day, and I ran into a guy named Arnaldo and his wife, Fermina. The first time I met them, they sat in my office. They were so humble and so shy, had moved to the US from Guatemala, They could barely lift their heads. They talked to me most of the time with their heads down like this. (laughs) And when I would finally make eye contact, it was kind of like this, you know. Here's what they said to me. Pastor, we believe that God has called us to pastoral ministry. And then immediately made me a list of all their inadequacies. Pastor, we have no pastoral training We have very little formal education. We have no money. We do not speak very good English. But we believe God has called us to pastoral ministry. The Hispanic community in our city is hurting so bad. And they need Jesus so much. And all we have is our love for God and our burden for our people. Arnaldo and Fermina began to take pastoral training classes. Within a few months, they had a little group of people come in at 12.30 in the afternoon to our church, to our youth room, for kind of a small group, which turned into a church service. And before long, they had about 50 people coming to church. They didn't have a band, but they had three girls. And so one of them sat down at the drum set in the youth room, the other sat down at the piano, and the other seven years old, has this huge bass around her neck trying to learn how to play a bass guitar. You know? Those girls learned how to play those instruments. And they began to reach people with the gospel. When they got to 50 people, they came to me one day. They said, Pastor, you know our friends here. They've been coming. They fill a call to ministry like we do. We would like for you to find us a church in this part of the city, a Nazarene church, that would let them have services at 1230 there. And we're going to send half of our 50 people with them. And I'm like, are you sure it's time to make the split, you know? And they said, we are sure, Pastor. And so sure enough, we sent 25 of them away to the Southern Nazarene Church. And they started having church services. Before I left there, we sent another 25 to another church. And I look at Arnaldo and Fermina, and I think about this little couple who were so shy. They couldn't hardly lift their head to look me in the eye to talk to me. We don't have anything, Pastor. We have no training. We can't speak English. We have no money. We have nothing. But we believe God has called us to do something. And so we want to do it. They see a need. And God begins to nudge them. Arnaldo, maybe you should meet the need. And immediately they make a list of all the reasons why they don't have the resources to meet the need. They start walking backwards. But God takes what they offer. And He does something amazing with it. the disciples say, Jesus, we see a need. But we don't have any resources. We think you should send the people away so they can get something to eat. And Jesus says, I don't think we should send them away. I think if you really care about them, you should meet their need. You should give them something to eat. And you know what they say? This is all We have five loaves, two fish. That's it. So I thought it would be good if you and I just kind of looked each other in the eye for a minute, had a real open, honest conversation about what is it that you have. Okay. so you may be a university student and you may say, "Okay, Rick, uh, the only thing in the world I own is an old car. So let me ask you a question. Would you let Jesus use your old car? You may say, Rick, I'm kind of good with people. I'm kind of good with kids. They tend to like me. Okay, then i got to ask you a question. Would you let Jesus use your ability to connect with kids? I mean, I've, I've got to believe there's somebody here in the room saying, "Rick, I don't, I don't feel like I have talents or abilities." We have a house that we live in. Okay, would you let Jesus use your house? There's somebody sitting in front of me that has a lot of money. Would you let Jesus use your money? because here's what Jesus does with what we bring to Him whatever we have and it's the only thing the disciples could bring was what they have right I can't bring something I don't have Eric Smith could not take something to Jesus he didn't have he said this is this is my skill set this is what I have and Jesus blesses it and He breaks it and He gives it back to you and He says now go give it away isn't that amazing You just bring Jesus what you have and He takes it and He blesses it and He breaks it and He gives it back to you and He says, now just go give it away. So let let me think of one great example to give you, okay? And, And the best example I have is this one here, okay? Over 10 years ago, I'm on a long walk with a guy named David Busick. You know him? And he is telling me that he believes God is calling him to lead Bethany First Church of the Nazarene long before I knew very much at all about Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. He says, I believe God is leading me to adopt a country, our church. And he looks at me with this kind of grin on his face and he says, don't you think it's an audacious goal for a church to adopt a country? I mean, think about our resources, what we really have to give. We don't have much to give. But you adopted a country called Swaziland. Now listen to me. You had no idea when you adopted the country of Swaziland and David Busick stood here one day and he cast this vision to you. You had no idea that one day the government was going to say, Wow, the Nazarenes are getting involved in Swaziland again. They're getting involved in the hospital. And the government said, Let's join them and partner with them and let's rehab this hospital. And all of a sudden you had a hospital that's barely functioning that is now functioning higher than any hospital in the country. And you had no idea that a guy named Fred Evans was going to go over there and see a broken water well and think to himself, what can we do? And he designs a solar water well. And Coca-Cola, of all people, the company of Coca-Cola said, there's a guy named Fred Evans from Oklahoma and he's designed this thing for Swat. Let's give him a million bucks. You had no idea. You had no idea that a doctor named Terry Hall who attends this church would write a standard treatment medical guide that would change the way Swaziland does medicine and make them so much more effective. You had no idea that there would be this groundswell from within the country of Nazarene people who start an AIDS task force that minister to people by the hundreds and hundreds and end up letting many people through a doorway to which they would come to Christ. No idea. Here's what blows my mind. We bring what little that we have to God, however inadequate it may be. Our ideas, our talents, our money, our dreams. And He takes it and He breaks it and He blesses it. And He gives it back to you and He says, go give it away. And what He does with it is mysterious and powerful. It's difficult to comprehend and it's almost impossible to explain what God has done through this local church in that country. We could have never done it without the power of God behind us. So you're sitting here on a Sunday morning and you're looking at yourself and you're kind of doing an inventory of what you've got and you're saying, Rick, this is what I have. Can Jesus have it? Would you give it to Him? And watch Him bless it and break it and give it back to you to give away. And stand and be amazed. Watching God do something that is both powerful and mysterious. And do things with what you have that you could never do. Are you living in a struggle? Okay, I see needs everywhere. Sometimes I feel like God's kind of nudging me. You, you should meet the need. You should, you should do it. And I make excuses. And I delay. And I put it off, and I kind of live life in this tension of I should be doing something. But the enemy tells me that I don't have anything to give, and I believe him. Or that I'm not quite good enough, and I buy the lie. Or that I don't have what it takes, and so I just step backwards. It's realizing there's a need. Feeling God nudging me, you should meet the need. And not believe in the lie of the enemy anymore. But giving Jesus what I have, allowing him to bless it and break it and give it back to me to give away. You know, you and I cannot become like Jesus Unless we serve like Jesus. It's not like we can say, I'll become like Jesus in all the other ways, but not this way. I did not come to be served. I came to serve, Jesus said. I came to get on my knees and wash people's feet. I came to do menial tasks. And we can't be like Jesus unless we serve like Jesus. But when we do serve like Jesus served, God does something powerful in us. And through that practice of serving, He changes us to transform us into the image of His Son. So you can serve outside the church. You can serve inside the church. But I always think, how can I create a very clear path for you? How can I help you easily move into service, right? And so the other day I um I got on my bank website, and you know what they had done? Boom, it comes up. Welcome to our new renovated website. I was like, no, I don't want a renovated website. I like my old website. You know what that feels like, you know? Well, we have renovated the church website. Sorry. I understand what that feels like. You will get used to it. It's better. It's helpful. But let me just show you what you can do if you go to our church website. We've created a clear path for you, okay? So all you have to do is find scrolling down on the front page all the way down, and you'll finally come to a place where it says get involved. On the left-hand side, it says serve. If you click there, it's amazing what happens. It gives you all kinds of opportunities to serve. I mean... Look at this list on and on and on of places that we need people volunteering right now. I mean, today, we need people to volunteer right now. And all you have to do is click on sign up. And when you sign up, that immediately gets sent to the pastor that it needs to go to. And what that pastor will do is contact you and say, I'm so glad that you signed up. Let's talk about how we can help you get involved in serving in this area. Also when you walked in this morning you received a worship folder looks like this remember and there's a tear off portion right here it's another easy path for you to sign up and this focuses on age group ministries where we always have many needs you saw the camp video a while ago didn't you did you know listen to this did you know that you can't just show up at a camp with 170 kids and have them get off the bus and tell them we'll pick you up in a week you can't do that You have to stay with them. You have to have sponsors and helpers. I mean, in Sunday school, it takes us a couple of hundred people here on Sunday morning to just teach students and and, uh, and children. So we need your help. This is just one place for you to serve here at Bethany First Church. So there are other places for you to serve. But we really need your help here as well. So you can write on this, tear it off. Where do we turn this in, Kyle? In the back to ushers, they'll be in the back waiting for you. You just hand it to them as you walk out the door. Uh, Bring it down to me if you can't find somebody to give it to. But just say, you know what, Rick? I know there's a need. And for a long time, I felt like God was kind of nudging me. And that's it. I'm going to quit making excuses. I can hold a baby. I have that ability. I could actually hold a baby. I'm pretty talented. I could hold a baby. And I can do that. And I can let a mom go to Sunday school and go to church and focus on her journey with God. Well, it's, a, it's always a great day when we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me, okay? And those of you who are going to serve us, will you come forward at this time to do so? You know, I've said to you many times that I see this practice as a means of grace. And so when I receive the bread in a moment and I eat it and I swallow it and when I drink the drink, I believe that in that moment I receive the grace of Jesus Christ. And so we need His grace to serve like He served. And so will you take the elements when they come by you and would you hold them in your hand? And then when everybody has been served then we will eat and drink together, okay? Love. chapter you can So Jesus took the bread when he was with his disciples and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that is broken for you. Take it and eat it, all of you. And then he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. Drink it and be thankful. So Father, we have one deep desire. And that is to give our lives to what you have called us to give our lives to, to becoming like Jesus. But we know that we will never be like Jesus unless we serve like Jesus served. Throughout this day and throughout this week, would you help us by the power of your spirit to wrestle within ourselves about our own commitment to service? Would you take us back to the website throughout the week and look at opportunities in places of real need? Look into our community of where we might serve there, into our schools where we might serve there. Give us the heart of Christ in this, I pray. And let us just bring what we have, as inadequate as it may seem, because we know that you will bless it and break it and give us back what we've given you to give away to others. And so it's for grace that we pray. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.